Hey everybody, welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm Bridget Lipwatt, and I'm here with Theosaurus Rex. Greetings all, it is I, the Theosaurus Rex. I may have started that kind of like a children's show. I noticed. This is not a children's show. Nope. I, whenever I upload these to YouTube, I'm just like, um, it's like, is this for children? And I'm like, well, I, I guess it could be, but it's really not. Yeah, you they gotta might, watch out with that. It's, they might get be... bored. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, how you doing with this quarantine thing? You're not quarantined anymore, right? Like, no, you're not. I'm on the beach. That's you're on great. the beach. <laughs> this is a glorious thing. New um, places, new adventures. Exactly. Yes. Um, oh, so let me just, so let me ask you a question first, real quick, about the um, mm-hmm. the quarantine thing. It's interesting. Georgia was one of the first states to open up, and we have mm-hmm. seen upticks in um, cases all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And then apparently, our version of this Georgia CDC was like mislabeled a bunch of stuff. So it's actually higher than we thought. But who knows oh. what'll happen? It's all good. It's um, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, so I will. So new places, new adventures. So this is interesting. As you all, as all of our thousands and thousands of listeners may know, been in the job hunt for a bunch of stuff. Finally got things figured out, and um, so I have I've accepted a new position at a, a church, and it'll be it'll be exciting. That's one of the reasons why I've been um, not as um, everywhere on my um, on like Facebook and the the Twitter. I've gotten very um, specific with this stuff now. I say the Twitter. Ooh. So it's a little bit of a party, and that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> For our audio listeners, Theo has gone from the beach to a party with a cake. With yeah. a cherry on top. Oh, you're right. It does have a cherry on top. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's it's a Awesome. I'm taking oh, advantage. Of, so of exciting. Design. So like how much changes too fast? That's your question? Yes. So um, during the interview thing, so I went to seminary and one of my questions or one of my professors was like, okay, if you start at a new church, you got to take the first 30 days to not do anything. Just learn about the church, learn where they are. And um, don't just go in there guns blazing, trying to change everything because you will alienate everyone. You'll use up all your goodwill and you might not understand why they do something because it works in that church culture versus other things. Hmm. And as I was doing the interview, I mentioned that was one of the things, you know, my first day is going to be listening, learning. If there's something that's like, there's something in sin, then we need to address that right away. But outside of that, I'm not going to try to like overhaul everything and make it into my vision for things. Right. And he said that he appreciated that and he agreed with it. They said, but also don't be afraid to do stuff because you've got that honeymoon period to where you can just make changes and be like, oops, I didn't know any better. My bad. Ooh. But the changes have already been made. So I wanted to ask the group, what, how much change do you think is too fast? And like, cause I think that you got to strike that balance between the two things of listening and learning and seeing what's happening versus like, you know what, I'm not going to purposely be obtuse, but I've got this, this quote unquote political capital that I can spend really quick. Dang. Get your opinion on that. That's a really interesting question. Yeah. Cause I, you know, like I used to be in a church um, where the pastors kind of took over and there were quite a bit of changes. Like we saw like, um, you know, people 
basically disappearing from the worship team. And, you know, there was all these things happening, you know? Yeah. Like it was like, and then they brought in new people on the worship team and like, uh, there's just, there was a lot going on and people are like, well, what's happening. And you'd have some people that are just like, Oh, change, change is good. Change is good all the time. And there's other people that are like, I'm not comfortable with how they're changing things. Like they're not talking to us. And, and so, I mean, like, I think you're going to have a wide spectrum of um, opinions on the way you run things, no matter what you yeah. run. <laughs> um, and it's kind of similar. It's like um, in indoor air quality in my job, if I was yes. doing an indoor air quality survey, my goal is to make 75% of the population happy. Because mm. it's like humidity. Can we all agree what's a good humidity? Can we all agree yeah. what's a good temperature? Can we all agree... You know, like there's all these things, all these parameters, right? Right. And so I, I think, you know, like you've got to figure out what that threshold is within a group. It's like you're not going to please everybody. Right. But it's like figuring out what the culture is. And then it's almost like you want to know what's the elephant in the room too, right? Like is there something that's, that needs to be resolved too, right? right? When you come in. Like what happened? How did the other guy leave? <laughs> right? Exactly. Like yeah. What was the reason for this? But how much, how much change is too much? Um, well, obviously, if the people can't keep pace, you're yeah, going to want, I would think, at least 75% of the people to keep pace. That's a really good kind of thing. So then it's kind of, as long as, because that's, that's definitely more than, than just a simple majority. So it's, you've got that big thing. And then it's like, well, then you've got the, and that, and that counts for, I guess, the largest amount of people without taking into account the extremes. Cause if you go to either, that's, Hmm, that's a very interesting rule or guideline. I guess yeah, I know. I'm just throwing it out there. Cause that's what we do in industrial hygiene, but yeah. it's like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Youth. And are you, you're working with youth, right? Yeah, it'll be a, so the official position, I'm going to be teaching like the youth. I'm going to be over the youth, but then they've also asked me to look at the, um, the entire K through 12, like set up and make sure everything's kind of cohesive and kind hmm. of monitor some of the volunteers and um, whatnot. Very cool. Yes. So it's going to be fun. So like with some of the stuff with like, so I had a zero to 30 day plan and a 31 to infinity and beyond plan. And um, so a lot of it was listening about stuff and like, but then there are mm-hmm. some things for sure that I want to implement, mm-hmm. but I don't think any of them are like changes, it's like changing the way that things are being done so much as we're going to, make sure this is happening that first mm-hmm. like but then also part of it is like um they don't they don't they've created this position because there was a need like they realize that just having revolving volunteers for the youth doesn't build relationships and that kind of stuff and so i was like what would an average week look like and you're part of one of the interviews um and what you're expecting and they're like i don't know we've never had this before so if it's you know, I'm not going to make you stay at a desk for eight hours a day so you can punch a time clock when there are people who may need you out there, like if you need to go visit, like something. So you just, you get to kind of make up what you're, what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, there's so much power, but also so much responsibility. This mm. is terrifying. So. Well, that, and I think part of it too, like I think what, um, what I've seen kill youth pastors is, is bad communication, right? Mm. Yeah. Um. And so I, I think like keeping the lines of communication going back and forth. And I think like it's easier to implement change if people understand the rationale behind it. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, like, you probably don't want to spend an hour explaining it because then you got to find the threshold with that too. It's like, what's a concise way that I can explain to them why we're making this change, right? That's very fair. We're moving youth to Tuesday night. Why? Because I have to podcast on Fridays. No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, like, but, but giving good rationale, I think, makes change a lot easier to digest right i know that and and that's me personally that's that's my thing i don't know if that's true about everyone but it's like for me if you give me a rule give me a reason and then i'll understand the rule and i will make sure that rule happens that is that is how i am in many ways because it's like I, I can deal without it but it's like if you want me to be on board and fight for this rule and help other mm-hmm. people to mm-hmm. like it i need to know why yeah now i like the long drawn out like the hour-long explanations just yeah. because it's like oh i can understand your heart of what you're doing maybe we can improve it stuff like that but i also yeah a lot of people that's not that's not for them yeah that all right it. so gatekeeping gatekeepers but not the jeff the gk gatekeeper the- Yes. I feel like um, we've got a lot of gatekeepers on those people already. Like, they're they, already the gatekeepers for the gatekeepers. So, I would, I would tend to agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I am I'm a big Star Wars fan and stuff like that. And uh-huh. this is just the kind of the, the overall rationale for the question. Um, I am a uh, big Star Wars fan. And the big thing that people are into, like, if you like the sequel trilogy, then, you know, then that's great. If you don't like sequel trilogy... And you say, no, you need to have like standards or this kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, no, you're gatekeeping. We don't want any gatekeepers in our fandom. Our fandom has no um, space for gatekeepers. Mm. Well, they've just become gatekeepers in their gatekeeping of it. Or it's like, you know, a lot of times you hear like, can you tolerate intolerance and that Mm. kind of stuff. So kind of my thought was, where do we draw the line in a part to where we don't become hypocrites? Because I think if it's a situation where like, I will gatekeep you or I will tolerate you because you agree with me. I think that's for sure hypocritical. But then if it's a, but I think, I think there can be a balance to where we are intolerant of, no, we are, but we don't tolerate intolerance. Yeah, we're intolerant or intolerant. Whatever the self-defeating version of that is. I think there's a way to do that. I've never really totally bought into this whole the intolerance should be tolerant of intolerance. Like I've never really bought into that notion Uh because I'm like it's it's like um, I'm for freedom of speech. Therefore, I need to be okay with people saying we need to shut down freedom of speech. You know, like I I think there's kind of a self defeating there that I'm like, well, no, that's dumb. Like I've I've decided that we're going to be in a a society where we do tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not going to foster that kind of environment, then you're going to work against that environment existing. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to have an, a, a, this um, type of environment, right? Yeah. It's an inclusive environment. And so if you're going to try to be exclusive, then you cannot be in this environment. Like you cannot have that kind of influence over us because it's, it's ruining this environment, Right. And I know using words, you can be like saying, oh, well, uh, you're being a gatekeeper on the gatekeepers. And it's like, yeah, yeah. sure. Sure, you could say that. But um, what I'm saying is there's no gatekeeper. So stop mm-hmm. being a gatekeeper. That's not what we do here. 
you know? And it's like, I think it's the same thing. If you truly want a tolerant society, it's like, yeah, you have to not tolerate intolerance. Like it's right. And I mean, like varying points of view. Absolutely. Right. And you got to try to foster that as much as possible. And there is a point where, you know, people who say they're intolerant are being only tolerant to people that see things the way they do. And I think that's where it becomes, right. But, but in itself, wanting intolerance will result in you not tolerating people who are working against you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like you got to have a, a set list of this is what is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And this is what we will consider this. If you do not believe this way, then you are not. Um, well, who gets to decide who? I guess the, the kind of like a social contract type thing. Yeah, like, it's mad, though. Like, I mean, you know on. what happens is it, it's, it's so funny how, you know, like people, you know, get so hung up on how terrible fundamentalism is. And it's yeah. like they have all these rules and I'm so glad that I'm out of those rules now. And you go over to the other end of things where you're a progressive and you're like, OK, so here are the rules, guys. These <laughs> are the words you use. These are the and it's like you've created your own thing like you've got your own religion and you're being just as pious but on the other end of things and i'm like can we just like live uncaged guys can we actually you know like i uh, something that really got me today i realized i'm like man the people that are saying wake up sheeple are basically saying hey don't be a sheep like that be a sheep like this right and it's like can we like can we actually get into a little bit of independent thought here and like recognize that all you're doing is following trends. And it's like, if you decide that, you know, like this is the news source that you should be listening to, right? If you've decided this is the news source that you should be listening to, I think you need to reevaluate whatever that news source is. Right. If you're deciding I'm buying into this one. thing a hundred percent, you need to give your head a shake and be like, yeah. okay, hold on. These are people that we're dealing with. And it's like, <laughs> people just get on their bandwagons and decide this is the wrong thing. This person is the wrong thing. This news outlet is the wrong thing. And I'm like, you know what? I guarantee you, even if they're wrong, they're going to be right sometimes. And you need to be okay with recognizing that, or you're going to be a fool. Because you're always going to be trying to disprove what this person's saying or what this group of people are saying. And that's stupidity. Like, don't, don't bind yourself by these kinds of labels. Like, uncage yourself and just be able to take thought and, and look at a thought and examine it and determine whether it is useful or not. Yeah. If it's not useful, you can toss it. It's back to branding. We did an episode of ADD Masterminds years ago Mm -hmm. where I was talking about how, like, it's like, I'm the Apple guy. Okay, you're the Apple guy. All right. So um, they got rid of the the, um, phone jack on it. Yeah, yeah, they did that because, and you give a reason. And it's like, yeah, well, that's dumb. I think it's dumb that they got rid of the phone jack. Well, it's not dumb because, I don't even know what the reason is, right? But it's like, the Apple guy is forced to defend that no matter what. It's like, don't be the Apple guy. Just be like, you know what? I I'm own a Apple lot of products. Apple devices, but there's some dumb things about Apple, and I'm looking past them because 
I'm the Apple guy. <laughs> like, let's be honest. So really, it's, it's honesty is where, like, honesty and being willing to, to acknowledge. Okay, so, sorry, I'm, as, as you're saying it, so it's formulating in my mind as we're mm-hmm. going through here. My giant dinosaur brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's really a thing of if you're okay to say, to acknowledge, to not take a, um, an arrogant or a, um, like a high-minded like, point of view and like, I'm not like those people. I don't gatekeep. And like, look down, as long as you don't look down on the gatekeepers in that sense, then it's okay that you gatekeep because you're not being hypocritical because you're not like lifting yourself up. So in the same way, like with the Apple guy, if you are willing to admit that like, you know what, Apple made a couple of dumb mistakes and their stuff's overpriced, but I love it and it works for me, then, then you're not the Apple guy. You're like a decent person. Okay, that makes, I think I get, yeah. Well, I want to skip ahead because I think this, is, this pertains to all of this. Um, okay. I read the book, um, The Righteous Mind. Actually, I think I did it on um, Audible. So I did the audio book. I always want to clarify. I didn't actually read this book. I did the audio book. I cheated. Um, this is so sad. But it's, it's by Jonathan Haidt. And I've been talking about it on podcasts a lot. So, mm-hmm. But I thought I'd just like go right into it. Yeah, let's um, do it. So basically, his, he's a psychologist. And he's done a lot of like work at looking at moral reasoning. And I found this just so fascinating. Um, he said that um, intuition comes first and then strategic reasoning comes second post hoc. And like every human does this. And so it's, and it totally goes against what, you know, like kind of the mindsets that people think they're like, Oh no, no, no. We're people that are about the facts. We're pro science. Therefore you guys are (laughs) anti-science and you're not logical. So I don't want to hear you. And these people are like, no, you're not pro-science because you don't understand human biology. And I'm all about the facts and facts don't care about feelings. And there's all yeah, that going on. Destroy like, people. Okay. So instead of saying, you know, like people are emotions first and then reasoning second, he says mm-hmm. intuition first, which I think is a lot less um, partisan, really. Mm-hmm. Because it's like we can all acknowledge we have intuition about things, right? And so yeah. he, he kind of he uses this analogy and I've, I've heard this analogy quite a bit in different, um, different books and everything. And they talk about the elephant and the rider and how like your intuition is the elephant and the rider is your um, strategic reasoning. Okay. And so it's like the elephant turns left and the rider's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going left because, and it'll rationalize it, right? And I mean, I'm sure there's times ah. where the rider directs the elephant, but nine, you know, 90% of the time, it's the elephant that's directing it. And yeah. it makes me think about all the times that I've been like, hey, kids, don't do that. And it's like, <laughs> why? Oh, because um, I need something better than I don't like it when you do that. So, and you're trying to rationalize, right? And so, like, one of the things he was talking about is, like, there were dishes out on the counter. Mm-hmm. And his wife says to him, um, you, didn't, you didn't clean up the dishes. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I was going to. But then the baby cried, and so I went and took care of the baby, and then I got back to work, and I just, like, forgot about it. I'm so sorry. She's like, oh, okay. So after she left and everything, he's like, hold on. That's not even what happened. I just didn't do the dishes. 
But I knew that if I gave that, her that explanation, it'd be okay. And he's like, I even yeah. had myself convinced for a moment. And it's like, this is what our brains are doing. And it's like, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're doing this. Yeah. So when I get into an argument on Facebook or when I get into an argument on Twitter and like somebody is not being rational, it's their elephant. It's their intuition. It doesn't matter what you say. Their intuition is still saying this and they're going to stick to their guns. But it's true about me too. And so like for me with a lot of this, you know, like especially with COVID, I'm just like, Man, stuff is complicated, guys. You're making it too simple. You got to be wrong because you are making it too simple. Yeah, and, so is that simple? Yeah, okay. I got you. Yeah. And so I'm like, I wonder, like, what, what, what do you think your elephant says often? Um, so let me just, let me, just to kind of reiterate to make sure I, I have the premise. So it's kind of like, so if you're, you're, if you're riding an elephant down a trail, and the elephant scoots over to the left for a minute and then comes back on the trail, then our mind says, okay, well, obviously there was something that I just didn't see, and therefore I'm just going to go with the flow. And, and so you, you kind of come up with reasons of why that happened to justify yeah. why the elephant went out because maybe you got hit in the face with a branch or whatever. You go, oh, okay. Um, hmm. And then I like, okay, the idea with the other thing. Oh, man. Oh, that's very interesting. I, I didn't even think about that. Well, it, um, it explains basically every argument we've ever had. Yeah. Because, like, you look at it and you're like, man, you guys just don't want to see this. And, I mean, like, I have groups of people on Facebook that are just like, you can't trust the media ever, no matter what. Right. And I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. So if I post an article by a certain news organization, you guys are going to be triggered. And it's, but, it, but that's it, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, no, 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 this has got to not be true. And I'm like, there's no way this news organization is always wrong. I mean, like, unless I'm posting, like, the World Weekly News. Mm -hmm. you know? Look, Bat Boy was seen the other day. <laughs> but it's like, it's, they start with a conclusion. And it's so annoying when other people do it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's just, I think it's just something we got to examine our hearts and figure out, is that, is that something I'm doing too? Right? Yeah, I am. Um, so now psychologically, and you kind of got into it a little bit, but it's, it's really a defense mechanism because we don't have time to analyze everything no. specifically. So we just 100%. Just like, yeah, yeah, we're just like, this is, okay, this comes from here. I know that typically I can't trust this in the time I have done research, therefore I can't trust it. Mm -hmm. And where that becomes wrong and like bigotry almost, a lot of times it happens in like it racial does. things, is when oh, it, we don't allow does. it to, to change, where we don't do our research eventually and we allow those prejudices and the stereotyping. Um, sorry, stereotyping becomes prejudice when we don't ever try to do the research after that point. Well, and I we, think it's exposing ourselves to different environments. Yeah. And I think, oh yeah, that's it. You change the elephant. To change the elephant, you got to change the environment the elephant is in. And so that's why we don't want to live in echo chambers because we're just going to end up with the same elephant all the time. Yeah. So you have to challenge yourself by causing trouble on Facebook and on Twitter, and that's why I do what I do. Woo. Well, and, like, and then it's also <laughs> about like surround and being able to acknowledge, oh, that's a really good point on this thing and not just having people i mean it's it's nice to get like retweets and stuff like that from people but then it's also it's like eh, maybe 
you know, now all these people are agreeing with me. So either I'm like super right or I don't have people who are like questioning me. And that's like one of the things that, um, and, and I do have an, an answer to your initial question, but I'm just, as we're talking, just things keep coming up. Um, like one of the questions in the interview was like, how do you feel about like people being able to like um, criticize you and like call you out and stuff like that? Like, what are you like? And so, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he surrounded himself with people who would question what he was doing. Yeah. And in doing that, he picked people who were purposely on opposite sides so that he could get the best answer for things. Like, so if one person yeah. says, no, don't attack that. Another person says, go attack it. Then he gets the case and he can find out what it is. And I think, especially like in the church, when you have like pastors or leaders or whoever who just are completely unquestioned in every aspect and all the people just agree with them because that's the pastor or that's what God said, quote unquote, or whatever, then it, we, a lot of times those churches end up suffering because there's no one keeping them in line. And so in that yeah. case, so then if we don't, but then it can be frustrating to have people who are just like, I know I'm going to post this and then this person's going to disagree and they're just going to just disagree with everything I say, just because like, why am I even friends with this person? Well, it's finding that respectful disagreement, right? Cause I, I got yeah. really frustrated this week too, because it felt like every time I posted something remotely political, I would get attacked by people. And I'm just like, this is not productive anymore. Like it's not, yeah. I'm okay with people agreeing or disagreeing with me. But like when they're trying to convert me, it's like my elephant gets really mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, the problem is, is I know your elephant is not going to change either. And so yeah. we're kind of at a point where it's just like, there's just no point. I guess like you can bring me a point, you know, if you can bring me a point and I can either, but it's, I don't know. I just feel like there's some conversations that are just not fruitful anymore. Yeah. Like this isn't open dialogue. It's not, it's not about getting you to see my point of view or I, I, maybe it's not, it's not about getting you to agree with my point of view. Mm -hmm. But if I have a sense that you're listening and you're at least considering it, then it's worth talking. Yeah. Right? And if you're able to give me your point of view and I can hear it and I can kind of like understand, like, cause I, I want to know where people are coming from. I don't sure. expect them. I don't want them to try to convert me to their point of view. Yeah. I want them to just explain what their rationale is so I can consider it. Um, yeah. If I feel like they're trying to sell me something, I'm going to get angry. Like it's just, and that, that's in my nature. Right. Um, especially when they start getting kind of attacky and say like, oh, well, you don't care about these people then. And it's like, well, hold on here. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're not understanding what I'm saying at all, are you? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's manipulation. Like I think the manipulation is where it gets dangerous. It um, is. And I think that's one of the, the frustrating things about stuff. Because like there are some topics where it's just like, and, and we've talked about this a lot, right, Kevin, you know, like we just have to agree like, okay, we're not going to agree on this. But then I think where the, the struggle, quote unquote, or the fight needs to happen and is productive to happen to make sure that we understand the reason for why we believe or think or whatever this way. Because I think that's really important. Like if you have two opposing sides, if you, if I understand like, oh, well, you, even though I disagree with you, but we, your intentions are right for believing this, mm -hmm. then I think that that's acceptable and that helps prevent 
your stereotype from turning into a prejudice. Yeah, it's hard though. It's so hard because sometimes you can see that people's intuition is based on this like level of distrust, you know, and it's like I distrust President Bleep so much. But he's so he wants to be my friend. He does must be awful. Right? Yeah. I distrust the Babylon B so much. Actually, I don't really trust them as a news source, but I one hundred percent trust them. They say what I believe. <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> Um, anyways, so, sorry, you had asked about what my elephant has a tendency toward. Um, at the risk of, of inciting other people's elephants, the whole concept of how social justice is used nowadays, mm-hmm. and especially in regards with a religious setting, it's just like, I am just, I'm over you know, the, 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 the patronizing aspect of it. Well, you just don't understand that when you say this, then that means that you, you believe this. And it's like, no, I'm telling you, I don't believe this. Hmm. So I understand that you may be interpreting it this way, and let's figure out a way that we can say this or whatnot, but I'm not going to say how you, th- if, but I'm not going to say what you think I should say so that you will think this other thing, especially if I have issues with the way that that's worded. But we want you to use our words. <laughs> no, I don't want to use your words. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. never do it. But yeah, that's, yeah, and I think that can be, yeah. so that's, I guess, would be mine. And so, mm-hmm. like, there is a, like, so some people, especially the people who I believe are, like, virtue signaling about whatever the topic is, like, it's just, I just, that my elephant just, like, ignores them or whatever the right terminology is to phrase with the elephant example. Yeah, I'm, and I'm at such a weird place with that because I do feel like people think I'm genuine. <laughs> yeah. I'm fooled. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. But I, you know what I mean, though? Because like, I, I feel like both sides see me as genuine in what I'm saying, and so yeah. that's good. But then, I mean, like there's people who think I'm deceived because I'm just blindly following the government's orders. <laughs> oh, know? about the, the Rona, yes. Yeah, and I'm just like, all right, well... Here's the thing. I'm like, I'm not going to tell the government to um, open sooner than they are right now. I think they actually have a pretty good plan in place right now in Alberta. Um, They said that they are going to resume with opening up. Mm -hmm. Um, If half of our ICU, like if we get to half ICU capacity, then they're going to start putting restrictions back in. Um, If we get a... I think it was a 5% increase over a two-week period, and it's steady, then they're going to put restrictions back in, too. So it's like they're monitoring the situation. They're quantifying it. I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, for me, it's like I'm not going to pressure them to open faster, but I'm Mm -hmm. also not going to pressure them to say, no, we should not be opening up, because I think there's risk in that, too. I see risk both ways. And it seems to me the bulk of people only see risk one way. And so it's like, all right, well, you guys can fight your little fight. I'm just going to go along with what's going on. Because right <laughs> I, like, I don't have the right information to make this decision. So, And like part of it, like, so in, in the U.S., the whole thing is we got to unlock the church, you know, the churches. Mm-hmm. And like all these churches who are breaking the law and stuff like that. And like, so one of my um, groups I'm a part of, people were like, you know, we pray. I'm not here to argue, but my church is doing this and da-da-da-da-da. And just pray for us and that kind of thing. And it's like, 
So he's basically, he's telling us that his church was planning on breaking the law and whatever penalty that the, you know, he was praying the church could pass it. It's one of those things, it's like, okay, so as long as they're not specifically targeting the church and as long as they're not telling you to do something that's against Christianity, you know, work within the system to fight against it, but your church isn't like, you're not setting a good example to those who are either baby Christians or looking at Christianity when you just say, I'm going to break the law because I feel like it. Like, especially uh, when well, if I mean, nobody it, else is allowed to meet up, then okay, yeah, then, then, then you just go with to it. To me, this falls under, like, be wise and how you appear before outsiders. And I feel like that's a scripture that people have forgotten. Uh-huh. Um, it's where there's, like, a dark shadow in the bottom of your screen. I'm like, is that you? <laughs> maybe. I don't yeah, think so. maybe. Um, anyways, sorry. No. It could be the... But, um, but it's like a scripture we tend to forget, right? And it's just like, well, I don't care what they think. And it's like, isn't that part of the point? Like, we're supposed to be, like, drawing people to Jesus. So what's going to draw people for G- to Jesus? Us standing up for our rights? You know? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's so interesting. Because I'm just like... And so I'm kind of looking at that, and I'm like, okay, so, like... Like, you know, you talk about, like, wearing a mask, and it's just so funny how that has become such a big controversial thing. And it's like people want to look at it only one way, right? Right. And it's just like, oh, you're wearing a mask because you're scared to die. And it's like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not scared to die. And that kind of freaks me out that people, like, it bothers me that people are going around bragging that they're not scared to die as if that's something that's going to draw all people to Jesus. Like, to me, it's just like, okay, first of all, you're ignoring the fact that you could be spreading this disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm asymptomatic. I'm asymptomatic, so I couldn't possibly carry the disease. It's like, were you listening? Oh, wait, maybe it was the wrong news source. I don't know. But it's like... That's not how these things work. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, I kind of look at that, I'm like, okay, so... At the very least, there's going to be people who think you not wearing a mask is selfish. So mm-hmm. does, that, does that matter to you? Does that register? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, having the church open, like, I, I literally had a conversation with someone on Twitter where they were just like, no, no, the Bible says not to forsake the meeting of the brethren. And I'm like, so do you think, like, they had Zoom in the New Testament? <laughs> Because I like maybe they weren't thinking of that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the and like part of it's like okay, so like so here in Georgia, the way that it works is um, you can't um, let's say you can't uh, group gatherings of no more than ten people unless you're in a central business and that kind of stuff. And then you have to stay within staff stay away at least six feet away or two metries if you are uh, in the metric system. And um, actually, that would be 6.6. Anyway. Um, but the, um, and so it's like, okay, so if you don't want to forsake the gathering of your of the Christians together, then meet up with a couple of your people who we know aren't, um, you know, follow the law, with people who aren't in high risk. But like, you know, if you've got a church and you're meeting up and most of your church is going to be older people, then you don't need to be opening up just because you can do that. Because like, especially in the situation like here in Georgia, if you're over the age of 65, have diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, or in a high-risk thing, you're not supposed to leave the house. Yeah. 
So there's so so like yeah. So you meet up with your people and you do it via via Zoom, and it's not it's not that difficult. It's so messy, and I mean like I I don't know what the risk is honestly. I don't really know what the risk is. So I'm trying to reduce it as much as possible. I'm not yeah. going to judge people that are doing things that you know seem to be risky. Like it's just I'm like whatever. Like God's in control. But I'm just not going to go around encouraging people to do risky things. Like, I just think that's garbage. But that's um, more fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was thinking with the elephant, this is very much kind of like the speck and eye scenario that Jesus talks about. Mm. And it's like remove the speck from your own, or you remove the plank from your own eye before removing the speck from the other person's eye. And it's just, it, I, I just thought that that was groundbreaking for me in understanding what's going on. And I'm still kind of chewing on that. That's just a concept that I can't stop. I can't shake it. Can I shake him? It's beautiful. Um, what I found really interesting too, is he was talking about morality and um, an infant. And they did some experiments with an infant um, showing different behaviors to this infant. The baby mm-hmm. was like six months old. So they had, like, no means of verbal communication, obviously. But what they noticed is the kid would, they'd be able to tell by the kids staring whether mm-hmm. they found something to be unusual behavior or not. And so mm. there was some behavior that was demonstrated to them. And I can't remember the specific scenario, but it was kind of like, you know, a puppet show, but one puppet. Oh, it was like this guy's trying to, you know, climb up a hill and there's a scenario where one of the puppets helps him climb up the hill. And then there's a scenario where the puppet tries to push the guy down while he's trying to go up the hill, right? And um, they could tell by watching how the kids stared what they thought was unusual behavior. And what they thought was unusual behavior was pushing the person down. Oh. So they use that to extract this idea that morality is something you're born with. It's not just something that you grow up with, which I think is really interesting because, you know, we've got the biblical concept that we're born with sin, but then you yeah. also have the biblical concept or, or what, um, what C.S. Lewis talks about as the law of human nature. And it's this idea that every society um, has a certain code that people live by. Mm-hmm. Like if someone's drowning in a lake, you should go help them. And it's not just because you want to go in that water and get all wet and try to save them. It's because you feel like it's what you're supposed to do. Right. And it's like, so it's like, we're born with this. And he said that like morality is innate, like a draft of a book. So it's like, there's this code that's already in us. I was like, that's so interesting. Ooh, that is cool. Yeah. um, And Thomas Aquinas called it natural law. Mm. That it's just, it's just things that are true in nature and it, 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 universally people believe in like in that or follow by that, even if they don't realize what they're doing. I'm releasing another uh, part to um, my conversation with Brad Walker on sapiens. I don't know if you heard the first one, but it's basically looking at human history from an evolutionary point of view. And he's mm-hmm. an atheist and it was just interesting conversation. So I don't know. I just find it interesting. Like when people write with the absence of God and write from a scientific point of view and you kind of sit there and you're like, Oh yeah, that's a really interesting mythology. Let's compare (laughs) mythologies. Um, okay. So one of the things he said is like, 
we can approach things in a couple different ways. So when we're presenting with new information, we can have this attitude of, can I believe this? Or we can have an attitude of, must I believe this? And I was like, that's interesting. Because it's like, I think depending on what our intuition is doing, we're going to approach it as a, can I believe this or must I believe this? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like if, if I'm a, if I'm a, you know, reformed Christian, there's things that I'm yeah. going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can believe that. Right. But it's right. like, must I believe this? Right. And I don't, I, I think I could say the same thing. So if we we're presented with like an evolutionary idea, right. Mm-hmm. And it's like this idea that, um, the earth is this many billion years old. I can't remember how old it's supposed to be. Is it 4 billion? Something like that. I have no idea. Right? It's supposed to be a lot. Yeah. So it's like, must I believe this? Well, it's like, yeah. I kind of I want to get into the science now and understand, like, how, how solid is that? Because there's been a lot of Christians that have wanted to say, actually, carbon dating isn't, you know, and it, yeah. I haven't looked into it enough because I don't really care. <laughs> yeah it's well and that's one of those so i think the idea of must believing something is very interesting mm-hmm. because so many people are like are like well, what are we going to do like what what should what do we have to believe mm-hmm. and like because i think if if it is something that must be believed then um so as an example um my uh my dad is part of a ministry or he founded a ministry and so i'm helping him out with it and we're doing different things and so we just redid our, our doctrinal beliefs and mm-hmm. so we had things that are basic parts of christianity and mm-hmm. we had to say okay this is and so it's like okay is, is how do we believe about this and this aspect and sin nature and stuff like that okay we believe these things to be true but can you be a christian if you don't believe in and then in like original sin mm-hmm and it was kind of like, Ugh. so then we start, okay, what are things you have to believe? And so we got it down to like five things, like about who Jesus is, what God is, um, you know, the, who the Holy Spirit is, and um, ideas of uh, redemption. There were a couple, there's like only five things though. And then, then we had a whole another section of, these are things that we believe to be true, but if you don't ex- agree exactly like this, then you could still be a Christian. Whereas the other stuff, it's like, you can't be a Christian if you don't believe like that Jesus died for our sins. Mm. And it's like, there are certain, and so I think the whole, like, so, cause I know there are people who are like, Oh no, if, if the world were a billion years old, then the Bible can't be true because the Bible is oh, 6,000. It's like, first yeah. off your 6,000 numbers off because they're, the genealogies aren't perfect. They were included and they're accurate, but they're not, they're not like, they don't include every line of everything, you know? And so, if your whole basis of belief in Christianity is because of the age of the earth, then there's a problem. So I think it's good to believe yeah. something about it, but it's not, I don't think it's a must believe. Well, it's so interesting. Cause I, and I've been, you know, really working in the circles of deconstructing Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this just seems so silly to me because I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I'm meeting people that like are even triggered by the word God. And I'm yeah. like, dang, how do I work around that? But I'm like, <laughs> but you think about it, like there are a lot of situations where people have been heavily damaged by religion. 
And it's like, and it, it makes sense to me that God could be this terrible, terrible thing to them. But I'm like, man, the Bible says God is love. Right. I'm just going to hold on to that for a bit. And so I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so I can't say God, but can I say love? Yeah. You know, is that something, is that something you want to pursue is love? And so I've been stuck on that for a while. And then I was just talking to Keith Giles. Um, that was my episode that I just did. I released on last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on um, Jesus. <laughs> oh my goodness. I keep forgetting the title. Jesus Unbound. Yes. It's Jesus Unbound. I didn't even have to look that up. Jesus so you got Unbound. This. And it's, it's, it's about liberating the word of God from the Bible. Mm. And it's like this notion that the word of God is Jesus. And it's like, so, and I mean, like that gets into some really interesting territory. And it was kind of funny because um, just recently I got like a, a message from a guy um, and he was saying, hey, hey, you, um, you did a couple episodes on Richard Rohr, which I'm like, we did those way back. It was, um, oh, the universal Christ. I guess it's not that old, but we yeah. did, we did two episodes on the universal Christ by Richard Rohr. And um he said, hey, you know, this guy's a false teacher, right? And I'm like, you know, we could talk about false teachers. You want to come on the podcast and talk about false teachers? And I'm like, he hasn't heard the Giles episode yet. Just wait. He'll... Yeah. This could be fun, right? And I'm like, I want to talk about false teachers because I'm just like, what we do, and it's like the same thing that people are doing with the media, the same things that people are doing with the president. It's like this person cannot be trusted. Nothing this person says can be trusted. Therefore, we need to rob Bell them. Right? No, poor Rob. And it's like everything is now thrown in the garbage. But this guy, this guy, Peter Popoff, you could trust him. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it's that notion, right? And I'm like, man, I just don't think any human beings to be trusted. But I also don't think any human being has, you know, like nothing to say to me. Like, I, I don't, I think I can learn something from anyone. And so I, I do that. Right. And so it's yeah. just kind of funny is, is thinking about God as love. And then, you know, like I read the scripture where Jesus said, you know, those who don't believe me will be condemned. And I'm like, Oh snap. That's not jiving with my lovey feely thing that I have <laughs> going on. Um, and so I, I, I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of shocking, right? And so I'm like, so what do I do with that? And then um, I then was like, I think, you know, my big thing was saying God is love. It doesn't say God is justice. It doesn't say God is anger. God is, no, God is love. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's funny is Jesus has a couple of those too. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And I'm like, see those. And I'm like, I know I grew up with, you know, uh, kind of a fundamental kind of faith and, you know, Christianity. And I was taught stuff in Sunday school. And, and I was shocked to find out Jesus wasn't actually not born on Christmas Day. And that rocked my faith when I was. I mean, but, that's, that's like a legit like issue. <laughs> but it was like growing from that to like, all right, you know what? I just want to rethink everything right now. So I come afresh to this notion that Jesus, that God is love. And I know I heard that in Sunday school, 
but I'm getting a fresh revelation that this is like groundbreaking. Like this is, this is the algorithm. And so now the next part to the algorithm is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't want to just say, well, that means I got to ask him into my heart and then I'll go to heaven and other people will burn for eternity. Like, I'm like, no, no, no. I, I just want to chew on this piece right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's where I'm at. I don't even know how I got on this tangent. Who, who even knows? Who even knows? But it's like, I want to challenge my elephant and rebuild my elephant. Yeah. And um, so my, my next project, I actually, um, I was at, um, I was doing the whole church thing, YouTube church. And Which has been very interesting to learn. Like, mm-hmm. um, Just real quick side note. In looking at different churches as I've been applying and that kind of stuff, watching the different types of online churches and being like, oh, oh, they need so much help. And then other mm-hmm. ones where it was like, okay, they kind of got this going on. I'm really enjoying myself. I feel like I'm there. And then other ones where it was like, clearly the guy does not feel comfortable up there and they need to not ever do this again because I don't want to go back to this church. So it's, it's been very interesting. And then, of course, then sometimes you see the people get more comfortable, and it's like, oh, oh, wow, they're, they're going pretty good. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, so that's random side So, note. so I, I don't know. It's, it's weird because it's like, it's like God is really drawing me, like, back to a more conventional faith, I think. Yeah. Maybe what's going on. But I was, like, sitting here through the worship service, and there was just something that was not striking with me. Like I was like, the message was dynamite, but there was something in the worship that I was like, I, I don't know why, but I'm just not feeling this, which is very odd for me. I'm usually super into it. Yeah. And so then I, I went and grabbed my iPad and I started typing and it's like, nope, you know what? I'm going to write a worship album. <laughs> and so, Ooh, that'll be cool. Yeah. And so I, I created the first track last Sunday and I called it, I titled it back. Mm-hmm. And it's about coming back to God. And I'm going to title the album that I'm building right now, I'm calling it The Reconstruction Project. And I'm just going to release it as I, as I write them. I'm going to release them yeah. on SoundCloud under the Johnny Howe music. Cool. So it's not a Bridge Live Watt project. And I'm doing, it, I'm doing it on Sundays, which is my Sabbath. Hey. I just like, I'm just like, yeah, music is not... Music is not my, it's not the thing that really is at the core of what I identify with, which is weird, but I'm cool with doing music and just like, it's not, it's not a chore. I don't know. Yeah. It's Um, something that you enjoy. So you just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worship. So it's like, yeah, that's a good Sunday thing. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Okay. I like this. Okay. So individuals with this intuition elephant and using this post hoc reasoning are like individual neurons in a society. So it's like assembled, we become the brain with our intuitions and our post hoc rationalizations. Okay. And so in community, we can work together and actually think that's actually a really good example explanation for what C.S. Lewis talked about. Um, where he said that the church is important because it's like we're all parts of a telescope mm-hmm. that's assembled together to see God more clearly. And so it's like we need that, we need that community 
so that we can be the neurons. I like that. Dang, that book became so spiritual so fast, eh? It, and I like... Well, let me, let me actually ask you a question about the, the other thing. What do you think it was about the music that wasn't hitting with you? Did you, did you I, ever I figure think, out what that was? I, I, there was just, like, lyrically, um, I guess it felt like it was stuff that, like, lyrically, it didn't really hit me. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I've heard a song that says this already. Like, <laughs> it just, it seemed, okay. I don't want to say cliche, but it's just, like, it didn't, it didn't have the impact yeah. that worship can. And so I'm like, I don't want to fault them for song selection, but it just, it just did not strike me that day. And I'm sure maybe other people it did strike them. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that are disenfranchised with worship music in general. And so what I want to do is write something heartfelt that kind of goes in a different direction because it feels like a lot has already been done. Yeah. And so... And I mean, like, I'm not, I, I, there's some worship writers that are doing dynamite job. I love that song, um, Defender. We, we played that. Actually, I played for a church. I recorded for them on Thursday of last week. Mm-hmm. And um, they released it on the Sunday, and I never watched the video. And I'm like, that's funny. Like, I just, like, the performance happened, and it's like, all right. I recorded it, and I walked away from it, right? But we did Defender, and that's a song that I was like, and I, that was a really good set too. So maybe that was it too. Is like I had a really good set on Thursday, and then the okay. Sunday set didn't seem to have the same feel to it. Um, but the song Defender, it's like there's a point where she's like, um, "You come back with the head of my enemy," and I'm like, wow. "Oh geez, yes." I'm just like, can you see it? It's like dripping. <laughs> <laughs> yes but, but man it's like i you could tell when a worship writer has been through some terrible terrible things yeah rita springer's one of them um daniel Basta is another guy that has been through a lot you could just tell by his lyrics yes yes like, you can yes, you my can. faith yes, is dead i need a resurrection like it's like whoa yes i am um, he 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 was a worship pastor at my church it was awesome uh, before he got that. real big yeah, yes. he, um, it was so cool. Like um, prior to, and not not to, we won't go too far. And I just, it's just, it's an interesting. Um, so I want to kind of testify to what you all say. Mm. Um, prior to Daniel or um, David Crowder taking his "God's Not Dead" song, and the mm-hmm. Newsboys doing it and butchering mm-hmm. it, um, mm-hmm. like just him debuting that song and just like no one having heard it, and he's just like, "Hey, this is a song." I've really been struggling with this. Yes. And, you know, when you read about, and, and this is because they were trying to have a baby and they couldn't have a yeah. um, baby. And then they, um, they were trying to adopt and, and they had actually gone through the whole process of the adoption. And then the person like backed out of it and they didn't have any recourse. Anyway, it was this whole thing. And he's like, so when I say like my faith is dead, I really meant like I didn't know what I could believe anymore. And I needed a resurrection and then and he tells the whole story about like a lot of the stuff going on. And so he, he took that time to explain like So he has been through some stuff and it was a, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't want you to focus on this line that says my faith is dead. 
I want you to focus on the fact of like, you know, that, that God's not dead. Our faith isn't dead. And at the end of it, it's, it's about this. Other, and it was just like, then he goes and plays it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, then I'm, I, I'm, every, I'm crying. Everyone's crying. And then it's, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, but because it was, it was born out of that passion and that belief. And like, and I think that's when you, when you go in and you're doing the worship and all the songs are good and a lot of songs are good. I mean, and then you get like the hymns and there are some beautiful hymns and, you know, when, when Daniel Rasha led music, he did hymns amongst everything else. And like, so it was cool, but it's like, I think too often we try to like put in theology into it instead of just writing what God has put in our hearts. And like, that yeah. was a song that he wrote in, in a midst of like pain and turmoil. And then it, and he said, hey, I'm, we're just going to play it in church because I think it could speak to some people. And then um, uh, David Crowder was in our church service that week, and he, he heard it, and he was like, oh, this is really cool. Let me play it. And um, so, but the whole thing, so yeah, I just wanted to testify that it, it did come out of a tough place. And um, mm-hmm. so, and it's, and I think there is a beauty to some of like the really theologically deep songs mm-hmm. where it was written Absolutely. to teach about like this is proper theology and stuff like that and i think there's a beauty to the um i was in a discussion with some people and they were talking about how gregorian chants are the only true form of worship <laughs> because and it's like, it's like well, how do you identify with it and, it's, and they're like the purpose isn't to identify with it the purpose is to glorify god and i'm like wait mm-hmm. how am i supposed to worship that so you're saying that it's it's better to not have any sort of like to, to not even realize what you're saying and just repeat empty words. Like, well, first off, the words aren't empty, but yes. I was like, that, I don't it, know how to do this. That is the difference, though, between formative worship and expressive worship. Oh, and tell so, me more. Yeah, so essentially it's like there are certain rituals or creeds or um, like liturgy. Like this is mm-hmm. why liturgy is such a hot thing is because it's formative. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of what we've, you know, we're doing now for worship is expressive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so do we want our worship time to be like, well, this is what's on my heart right now, God, or should it be like, Lord, change me like right in this moment? Like I want to yeah. align with you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there is a need for a certain level of actually formative worship practices. I mean, that's what, that's what um, communion is too, right? Yeah. Is that's, that's formative. That's not, you know, expressive. You know, it's like, yeah, I really feel like having this grape juice <laughs> right now, you know? Ooh. But it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, interesting concept. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I guess what I'm writing is, is expressive, but I'm, my hope is to bring people into that. Yeah. Right. And so the song, the first song is like crazy simple. Um, it's like two, two synths, a drum beat that comes in and out like twice in the whole song. And there's like basically two refrains. Like it's just like crazy simple. And it's like, I'm coming back to you. That's and cool. yeah. And so I don't know what the second one is. I basically have it mapped for 14 tracks. Like I'm like, these are the titles. And then I'm going to write from that. And so I'm, I'm, it'll be fun to see how it comes out. And I mean, like, it's, I don't know, like, who's listening to it, but it's fun. And I just feel like I'm supposed to do it. Like, I just, I'm just compelled to do it. So I'm doing it. Yeah. That's um, on the, sorry? 
do you want to give a plug as to where it is again? Um, I will yeah, ask you afterwards. If you look me up on SoundCloud, it's Johnny Ha Music. But it's also, I released an audiogram version of it on our Air Smudge YouTube channel. Oh. So that might be the easiest way to find it. Everybody yeah. subscribe to our Air Smudge YouTube channel. This will be on the Air Smudge YouTube channel as well. So, yeah. Yes. Getting that rolling, dude. Woo-hoo. All right, man. Seems like this whole episode is going to be about the righteous mind. This is almost, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, you know, this is a lot more, this is like a wax museum. Oh, it totally um, could have been. In, yeah. That's um, all good. So the other thing he said that I thought was really interesting is that psychology and culture shape each other. Like there's kind of an interactive relationship because the psychology shapes the culture and culture shapes psychology. Mm-hmm. Really the nature and nurture almost like that's going on. Yeah. At least there's concepts in it because of you. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that one. <laughs> um, well, and I think, so going back to the other stuff and um, mm-hmm. it's the fact of like if how you... Your the way that you were raised. So, like, if you were raised in a in a household where, where like you're being really expressive in your your feelings, and it was okay to do that, and it was okay to talk about stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, not like necessarily to the point of being disrespectful, but just like, hey, I need to talk about this. Can we talk? Like, that's gonna that's totally different than, and that's gonna change the way that you operate, like psychologically. Versus, like, my dad was in a situation, like, they weren't allowed to talk about their feelings. They, yeah. like, he legit wasn't able to. And mm-hmm. if he tried to, then, um, then he was, he was I, don't, I wouldn't say he was necessarily beaten, but, you know, just, it just, that wasn't, there was no room for that. So that changed the entire way that he saw culture, and he went into his books, and he very, like, went cerebral with all that kind of stuff. And um, so then he goes and gets married to my mom, who is the exact opposite daughter of immigrants to go in the whole thing of, Hey, we're going to talk about all of our stuff, you know, and if, it, if we need to fight for like six hours to get it resolved, then we're going to do that. Hmm. And so it's just, yeah. it's created that the culture that then that created in my house was totally different. Um, it's, it's a kind of an interesting mix on it. And due to that, my psychology of the stuff and how I see things is, is very different than a lot of other people, because I still think people, a lot of people are in that kind of, almost to the extremes in the things in many years. So it's, so I can, I can definitely attest to that. And, um, and I think it's also something that we just need to be cautious with, especially for people who are parents, for people who are in any kind of teaching role and stuff like that, the culture that you set will determine like how they interpret the world and how they they are able to react and respond to things. It's forming the culture that you're in is forming them psychologically. And the same way, the way that they're being formed psychologically is going to inform like what part, of, what kind of cultures they're going to try to jump into. So and you're jumping into that role, you know, with your new job. Oh right? my goodness! Like you're you're going to be creating Stress. this, you know, it's, and it's like it's a moral ecology, you know, yeah. like you're setting. Ooh, this. that's a good idea. That's a good like way to put it. Like it's like, it's a beautiful yeah. term. Um, I, I stole that from David Brooks. I love David Brooks. He actually, I think today was supposed to be doing a Zoom session that people could join in. I'm like, 
can meet one of my heroes. But I never got to it. <laughs> this is so sad. I love my heroes so much. Kevin Max is another one of my heroes. Eventually, I'm going to have him on a podcast. Yes. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It is. He'll have to say yes. Um. <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe if uh, there's another cruise, you could uh, do a podcast on the cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if cruises are ever going to come back. Like <laughs> This is true. <laughs> hey, guys, want to come on a floating Petri dish with me? This episode was not brought to you by cruises. <laughs> I've been on a cruise. It was good, but I'm like, it's just like, yeah, it's just a weird thought right now. I don't think the world's ready for cruises for a while. Although yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are like, wow, this cruise is really cheap. Let's do it. So, well, you know, the, um, there's never mind. Yep. Hey, hey, buddy. How's it going? Is that your dog? No, no, no. I was, I was going to say something, and I was like, no, I shouldn't say that. And so I changed topics. <laughs> I thought your dog just, like, walked in. Hey, buddy, how's it going? No, she's, I don't know if she, she's probably upstairs. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, I don't know. It's just interesting. Um, beware of your elephant. That'll be the title of this episode. I dig it. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, one more thing before we go here. Ooh. <laughs> Change your picture again. It's a crazy about, circus. I was thinking about how um, in industrial hygiene, they talk about it's the art and science dedicated to, and it's like worker health and yeah. whatever, right? I should have that memorized. But anyways, it's you like the should. art and science, right? And then somebody was talking about practicing medicine, it's an art and a science. And I was thinking about it. It's like how oh, people are distressed by the art portion of it. But then I was like, essentially, art is professional judgment. And so, and science is like the technical aspect of whatever you do. And then I was thinking, is that true of every profession? Because like, even as a musician, there's a science to what I do, right? I got to be on yeah. beat. I try to be on pitch. Just right. do it. Don't try. But it's like you, you've got all these things that you're supposed to do, but then there's an art. There's my professional judgment of like, okay, when does the bass come in? Mm -hmm. um, you know, like <clears throat> how long are we going to have the verses for? How long? You know, there's all these professional judgment things that are the art aspects of it. So like if you're talking about youth pastorship um, and, and running, you know, like a, children's you know program it's like there's a science to it but then there's your professional judgment of how to apply that science yes right. okay interesting interesting so i think i'm and i haven't really hashed this out too much but i'm like i'm pretty sure like this applies to everything it's just like there's a the art is professional judgment and the science is the technical aspect of whatever you're doing it's the same thing too, like we were talking about like pastors and theology. It's like there's there's a theological framework that you're supposed to use, but then you use your professional judgment of maybe what illustrations you're gonna bring in yeah. or where you're gonna start. And I mean there's a whole I I think that's what I find so fascinating about Rob Bell. He's like, 
the art of the sermon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and like, you know, even if you don't like him, even if you think he's a heretic and whatever, you have to admit that he is a great communicator mm-hmm. and um, he can deliver a message in a way that's memorable. And that even if you don't agree with it, you almost in many ways you feel better like afterwards. You know, Hitler was a great communicator too. He was. Um, there was a book I read once that argued that it was like, what do Jesus, Hitler, and no, what, yeah, what do Jesus and Hitler have in common? And the whole thing was they're both good communicators. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, was, you know what's funny? Um, somebody said like the worst mistake Hitler did was he believed his own press. Like, this is yes. someone said on Twitter, and then someone replied to them, "That wasn't the worst mistake he made." <laughs> Definitely <laughs> I'm not like, the worst. Oh my thing. gosh, that is so awful. But this is so awkward. Why are they doing that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you become singularly focused, though, right? And mm-hmm. you'll say something like, "It's like I I made a que- I asked a question on Twitter, and I'm like, is um." is my freedom worth my neighbor's life? Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny because Schumann is like, yes. Oh, my goodness. No. Oh, no, I not- said, is your freedom worth your neighbor's life? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm not even touching that. Like, that's okay. You could just, I'll let someone else deal with that <laughs> if they want to, right? But I was like, and it was funny because somebody said to me, you know, with lockdown right now, I'm forced into like this apartment building where my neighbor's smoking. And so I'm going to get whatever they're, you know, and she kind of explained that there's, it's a lot more complicated than that. I'm like, you know what? You're right. The di- dichotomy I forced you into doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I wanted it to work, but it didn't quite work. Right. And I mean, like, it's just, I think sometimes we need to be okay with that too, because my elephant is saying, I look stupid here. <laughs> you know so how do you how do you cover it up <laughs> but that's not nearly stupid some people um some people's elephants are a lot super i'm positively um, negative negatively positive positive uh, negative uh, negative positive uh, no, that's what i said guys <laughs> um i'm not gonna explain who said that you know <laughs> i don't know it's just funny. I just think yeah. all of that is funny. So, I think you get down to, and it's just it's a matter of I think um, you know everything is beneficial, but not everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Yes. And um, as Christians, we as Christians living in a secular society, we have to acknowledge that there are that we are we are held to a standard where even if it's lawful or even if it's the, the legal thing, or not, it's not just legal, even if, it's, even if you have the right to do it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we should do it. Because yeah. as we kind of talked about earlier, we've got how do other people see it? Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't make your decisions based on what other people say, but the reality is people are going to make judgments based on how you act. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's, it's interesting because it's just kind of like, let's be genuine. And I, I, I think, you know, something... I've been thinking a lot about too is like being able to hold to, you know, biblical truth, being able to hold to this notion that Jesus is something I want to share with everyone. 
but still build real relationships with people, not just relationships of convenience. It's like, oh, that person looks like they need Jesus. I'll pretend to be their friend so I can share Jesus with them. People see through that, right? Like, yeah, it's like, like Christians are so fake. And it's like, no, 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 let's be real. Let's be genuine. Let's be integral. Let's be like, let's be all of those things. And it's like, mm-hmm. I genuinely love people and I genuinely am interested by them. Right. And yeah. so that's where I want to be. And I, I strive for that anyways. I think, you know, like, people that I'm too familiar with that seem to say the same thing over and over again. It's hard for me to be interested. I'm trying to work at that, but like strangers, I'm genuinely interested in strangers because they probably have something to say. I haven't heard before. Right. It's, it's that whole thing of, of not letting your stereotype just because they're saying something that may be a little like everything else, but allowing them to get through it and then going from there. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, Man, there's so much to think about. There's so much. I know. I was just oh. thinking there's this one TikToker that just talks to the, like, he just keeps interviewing, like, the most extreme people ever. Yeah. And he just kind of sits there and reacts to them. And it's just, like, so funny. Because it's like, you know, like a flat earther rally. And he comes up to them and they're like, well, it's the government. They're trying to force blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, and he's just sitting there. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, the best thing. And he's just this funny-looking young Young guy, I don't know. It's just fun. Well, that's like there's um. Now on the reverse side of that, there's this other guy. Off, I'll send you a video at some point. He, he, he does the exact opposite. He's the guy that people are like trying to interview normally, and he's just like. And then it was the guy who went down with the tentacles from on high, and he said to us that I must never again see an octopus, and if I do, I will surely die. And he just goes like, and then the guy's like. So, so you like, do you like chicken filet better or do you like Burger King? And it's so, it's just one of those, it's, um, it's quite amusing. I find it. Well, I think, I think we're out of time. We are. Um, this is, I'm just going to, okay. My kid taught me something and I'm going to share it with you. Okay. Okay. Um, so he told me that, um, YouTube, there are people that don't know what they're doing. Like they're not really YouTubers. And they'll uh-huh. just upload a video just because, like, they're yes. like, oh, I want to I wanna remember this. I'm going to share it with my friend later. Or, like, you know, like, it's like, anyways, so they upload something to YouTube. They don't know how to make it private. And so they just upload it. It doesn't have a real title. And he's like, he heard about this. And he's like, how would I find those videos? So we, uh-huh. like, he strategized. And he was, like, thinking, okay, most likely it has the default name. So it's movi at the end or it's mp4 at the end and then what you do is you search movi or mp4 right Uh and then you look at most recent you have your search engine set to most recent and you find a video that has not been viewed it has zero views on it and you'll find just the weirdest stuff and as you say (laughs) that i am legit doing that right now I had one of was like some dude in like the Czech Republic who like opened up his like his his microwave and the button fell off and he got all mad. <laughs> like that was the whole thing and I'm like this is better than TikTok. Anyways. Oh my god. And I would say TikTok has been a scourge on my ability to do things 
Because it's like yeah. I'm just sitting there, and the next thing I know, like, holy crap, it's been how is it three o'clock in the morning? Crazy, yeah. And I I didn't think I could get into something so brainless, but I love it. It's fun, and yeah. it's positive. Like most of it's very positive. So, anyways, I will let you go. <laughs> yes, and now for something completely different. I'm sure this was fun for the listeners too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, um, and. Um, we love you, ADD, Master, Minion, People. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and we will be back probably in a while. It may be a while point, before I can record another one. In the future. Sometime in the future. Yes. So until next time, I'm Virgil Bot. This is ADD Masterminds. And toodaloo. Toodaloo from Theosaurus Rex. Oh, yes, Theosaurus Rex. I'm saying goodbye now. (laughs) Thanks so much.